0: Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to central Illinois. I'm WNBD News Director Cooper Banks. It's a new time for many Peoria families now living with a new school year. Learning calendar quite unfamiliar to plenty of those families now. School board members back in February taking the leap in Peoria Public Schools, going to the modified calendar and a significantly longer fall break here in the middle of October. Two weeks, not just one this time. Of course, it's received as welcome news by thousands of students and hardworking teachers in the district, but there are still plenty of students in 150 who require help from the district, even through the break. I learned more about the fall intercession program from school superintendent, Dr. Sharon Karat when I spoke to her earlier this week. So far, I would first start with... Uh, Asking about, so far, the feedback that you've received as we enter this uh, extended fall break, uh, doing the modified calendar school year for the first time here. Uh, what is it that you're hearing about the, you know, the way that families are processing, you know, this, this little bit of a change in the, in the school schedule for the fall?
1: Right. So, um, you know, today is the first day of uh, fall break for us and um, before a new modified calendar, it's two weeks. Um, So it's the week of the 10th this week and also the following week. So it goes from uh, October 10th through October 21st. One of the things we wanted to ensure was that um, parents who needed support and some students who were falling behind and needed some additional interventions. We had that safety net, uh, and so we, for the first this first week, the 10th through the 14th, they, they will come to school. We'll pick them up. They'll get a, they'll have breakfast and lunch, and um, use the model, the learning model that we usually utilize um, during summer, where it's a little bit more fun and small group. Focus, so they have a lot of stations. There's a writing station. There's an, um, a reading station, a mathematics station. There's STEM and they have some fine arts uh, and PE as well. Actually, I visited about 10 sites today and um, we have about 400 students who took advantage of the fall intercession. Oh. And, um, and, and so we, I suspect we will have uh, more, much more tomorrow. Um, because a lot of our families thought, for some reason, today was Columbus Day for us. Um, but originally, we had about 700 signed up, so um, it's it's good. We're just able to provide that, as I said, that safety net. Um, kids were having a lot of fun and uh, they were learning, and um, and I and I was just also very very happy to see that. You know, the whole idea for this was. Um, for teachers, and know administrators to get some some rest because throughout the year the work is so intense and it's you know they they're just going and going and going and um, and so I, I I'm just really pleased um, that as a system we agreed to give this a chance and I'll I'll say I, I it's made a big 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 difference and you can tell the majority of staff and the majority of um, students um, do want to, they want those two weeks off. So um, that's good as well. You know, that's very, very good. And what we're also learning because it's our first year. Mm -hmm. So we actually, I just jumped off a meeting before I came on with you and we brainstormed next year. We could actually scale it down some to two sites. So K4, one site, one or two sites and five, eight, one or two sites, depending on on the response. But we're very pleased as we, you know, we get off the, you know, get everything started, and um, you know, we're experimenting, doing some action research, and making adjustments if we have to. But um, if you know, all of the buildings I went to, the kids were happy, and the staff were happy as well.
0: Yeah, I guess that this would be just a nuts and bolts inquiry about who it is that staffs the fall intercession program. Is it you know, substitutes, is it normal staff, uh, full-time staff? Who is that?
1: Yeah, full-time staff, those individuals okay. who are willing to work that, work that extra week because I talked to a lot of teachers, um, and it's a beautiful day outside, so the kids were outside enjoying the day as well for recess, doing different games, and I said I do want you guys to get take some time off as well and get some rest and relaxation, and they reminded me, they're like, hey, don't forget. We do have that week of the 17th as well. So, um, and some principals, some, some sites, uh, we've merged some sites. For example, at CT Vivian, um, they're a hub for Annie Jo Gordon students, Franklin students, and Zenok students. So there are four schools under that one site. And, um, and sometimes what I've noticed, you know, administrators may, one may take one day, another one may take. A day, or they may take two days, and you know, still get some 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 time for some rest and relaxation. So, I I I really liked that as well. I I would
0: say that this is just kind of a curiosity of mine. I don't want to ask Mm -hmm. necessarily a leading question um, on this, but I'm curious to know if there was any you know messages that are sent home with parents about. You know how they can be helpful in keeping their child. I guess you know this is a this is just a break. They're going to be coming back, or was there some other kind of a message where it was, "Hey, let the kids take all you know, get their minds off of school." Was was there advice about how to treat these next two weeks for parents? Any messages that were passed along in that regard? I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of messages at the board meetings, the last four or five board meetings. Um, there were announcements about it. Every principal uh, sent information home. I mean, there were, we had no complaints from our families about not having any information at all. And mm-hmm. we have a pretty large system. I think we're very good with our communication. Our principals at the buildings uh, communicate with their families. As well, I have not gotten any complaints. Mm. And so um, I I have gotten some positive feedback around people. One or two individuals say, hey, you know, I wasn't really sure about this idea, but, you know, it's rubbing off on us and we really like it. Um, they can travel. Um, kids can experience different things outside of school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for, um, again, a system as large with many moving parts, it's 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 gone like seamlessly very very well exceptionally well
0: uh, definitely uh something that we are interested to continue and follow as the year goes along and um I think that the uh modified school calendar year is something that so many other communities are probably looking at. Um, Thank you for taking the time to talk more about it as we enter this first fall break. Uh, Dr. Karat, I was just going to give you the floor. If there's anything else that you think would be important uh, for our listeners to know as it relates to this or or any other uh, District 150 or Peoria Public Schools-related issue, uh, feel free.
1: Yeah, thank you, Cooper. Um, Again, it's brand new, and so we're learning as well, and I'm very pleased with with the um, implementation thus far and we're always looking for opportunities to um refine and improve and we've we we have identified some opportunities already for next year. I just wanted to really thank all of our, you know, our cafeteria workers cuz they provide breakfast. So it teachers the ones who decided to help for that extra week, the bus drivers, uh, the administrators, all of the support staff, I mean the entire um here, are public schools, central office staff, individuals who were instrumental in putting this plan together for um, the families who needed it. You know, we're big on choice, providing choice and options, and that, you know, that was that was um, that, that's, that's a good thing. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Karat, for taking the time. My
1: pleasure. Anytime, Cooper.
0: Students return to class on October 24th. A special meeting to address the next year's budget in the city of Peoria. But before city council members could make any adjustments or decisions, they had to hear where things stand now. You heard more from the city's finance and budget manager, Kyle Cratty as council members met on the issue earlier this week.
2: What we're going to be doing is walking through our proposed uh, uh, recommendations for both revenues and expenses, We'll talk a little bit about fund balances, about staffing, um, and then look ahead at uh, some of our other challenges uh, that we see out to the future. Um, I'm going to turn the the um, floor over to Director Cratty to walk through the presentation, and uh, I'll jump in and add color commentary as we go along. So, uh, thank you, Mr. Manager. Um, there's a number of slides to get through, so we're going to try to get through them as fast as we can, and we'll be happy to answer any questions as we go through it um, or at the end.
1: Time. So the
2: first set of slides um, really is focusing on the economic picture uh, globally as well as in the U.S., because um, I think that is always what we have to look at when we're talking about our budget. Um, and economists estimate U.S. GDP growth will be 0.3% in 2023. That is down from what the the past few years have been. Um, The Fed's efforts to combat inflation will will likely lead to a recession at some point during 2023, um, leading into 2024 is what most economists believe at this point. Um, In terms of unemployment, uh, national unemployment is at 3.7%, which for the most part is considered to be normal employment. Um, unemployment rates are very low at this point Um, state unemployment sitting at 4.8 percent Peoria has an unemployment rate of 6.2 percent but that is down from 8.5 percent one year ago Um, and that equates to around 1,100 new jobs in the city of Peoria this year as the manager laid out um, in his beginning remarks most of the content we're going to be looking at is going to be a comparison to the budget that we presented to you last year Um, For the 2023 budget so this is going to be that revision so for example on this slide we'll be looking at what we had budgeted last year in comparison to this year Um, in terms of revenues we're up 11.7 percent and that is including fourteen point four million dollars in fiscal recovery funds um, which council had discussed as part of their, uh, their their planning session back in September In terms of operations our operational costs are up 2.8 percent budget to budget um, and that restores um, staff as well as programs looking on the capital front um, and we'll get into this a lot when we start looking at some of the slides on grants as well as our projects um, capital is up 37.5 percent this includes CSO projects for year two um, additional grant funding as well as roads and drainage in terms of debt just wanted to start off with a few 2022 budget highlights. Um, we have seen strong revenue growth, specifically looking at our local and state sources. Um, looking at our state sources, and we'll talk about it on the next slide, um, we are seeing growth that was not anticipated last year during the budget um, and is going into the recommendation that the manager and I have made as part of this budget. Um, federal and state grants continue to remain strong. Um, Obviously, we've gotten uh, the announcement of the SAFER grant in the last month. Um, We have received numerous grants for violence prevention. Um, We have – we're still using our ARPA funds for small businesses as well as neighborhoods. Um, And we are continuing to get capital grants for a lot of the capital projects that are ongoing. Um, The other thing to keep in mind with that is even as our revenues have grown, we're still on pace to have our expenses be on track with budget. So those revenues haven't necessarily equated to an increase in expenses. Um, So that is something that we will kind of talk about as we go through the budget. Um, I wanted to go ahead and walk through um, where our revenues are looking like they're going to end for 2022. Um, And I'm going to kind of go across uh, the screen. Um, Real estate transfer, um, that's up 30%. Um, Properties have continued to, to sell in the city, um, and that's why we've seen almost a 30% increase in those transfer taxes. Um, and as we get into the next slide, we'll look at what our estimates are for 2023. In terms of, sta- uh, in terms of sales tax, we have our home rule sales tax is up 2%, and our state sales tax is up 8% year over year. Um, the other area to look at is our hotel, restaurant, our hotel and restaurant taxes. Um, which have started to recover post-pandemic, especially the hotel tax side, um, is up almost 26%. Um, Our sewer and stormwater fees are up uh, 10%, which really goes back to um, our ability to collect on those fees. Um, Licenses and permits are the only area that is down, um, and we are adjusting that as we look at the budget next year in terms of what our recommendation is. Um, and really, but, the two. If I could, some of that was also council action. If you remember, we did for some of our licenses, uh, we waived them last year or reduced them. So that was a portion of that and why the numbers are down as well. On the slide, I think the area that needs in the most attention drawn to it are the bottom two numbers that is the income tax side as well as the corporate income tax or PPRT um, aspects of the budget. Um, just for context income tax is up 34 percent that equates to about a five million dollar increase over the budget um, in terms of corporate income tax um, we had budgeted nine million dollars we're looking like we're in closer to twenty two million dollars at the end of the year um, this is this has been a record year um, for income taxes from corporations um, this was not even in IML, when they bought, brought out their projections last year, had a 30% decline. And that is how we ended up with this $9 million number down from $12 million last year. Um, so these numbers are, uh, um, as I mentioned, with real estate transfer taxes, we are anticipating almost a 40% decline. Um, that's still in line with what traditionally the city's seen, which is around a collections of about a $1 million. Um, with the rising interest rate market, the housing market's just not moving like it has been, we anticipate a reduction in those taxes. Um, we are anticipating a slight reduction in home rule sales tax as well as state sales tax, primarily because we are looking at the, the possibility of a recession at some point during 2023. Same with hotel and, re- and restaurant taxes. Um, those, if we are in a recession, those two areas will also be affected. Um, Sewer and stormwater, we have up 1%, and we have a recommendation on the next slide that we'll talk about. Um, License and permits, um, we are anticipating a 5% increase. Um, And then, like I said, on those areas, the income tax and the corporate income tax, those two areas are based off of IML's projections as of today. Those always can and will change as we get through the budget process. But as of right now, that is the recommendation from IML on where those revenue sources will be this coming year. Um, And for context, with PPRT, um, that's still around $16 million, which is still up $4 million from what we had anticipated as part of the the original 2023 budget. This slide's looking at those numbers in totality, um, as well as looking at both our projection for 2022, the original budgeted amount for 2023, as well as the revised budget that we are presenting to you tonight um, so as you can see we had originally anticipated a 4.8% reduction um, in um, where we were going to be a part of 2023 based off of last year's budget that was presented we're now anticipating a 3.2% increase on our local sources um, as a comparison to the 2023 budget So we're looking at around state sources of around 156 million dollars in terms of assessed value we discussed it as part of the item um, tonight for the tax levy estimate we are seeing a 4.3% anticipated growth in assessed values um, but we are not recommending a rate change for that so we will just be capturing new property value Um, we're we are also recommending to freeze Um, the CPI increase that is automatically in the stormwater utility ordinance. Um, And if council is amenable to that, we'll bring that ordinance back as part of the budget packet um, when, when council approves the budget.
0: Local residents and businesses in Peoria County will face higher property tax bills in the coming year, but not because local tax rates are going up rather because the county will be spending significantly more money it's one takeaway as the peoria county board approved its budget for the next fiscal year that budget runs between january 1 and december 31 2023 as part of the approved budget county officials noted that increased property values would lead to higher assessments and higher dollar amounts on property tax bills next year but millions in additional spending will create more upward pressure on tax bills as well in total the new peoria county budget will be around 151 million dollars roughly 23 million more than the fiscal year 2022 budget it includes quite a bit of federal money as well sheriff chris watkins says his fiscal year 2023 budget will come in at about $800,000 more than the prior fiscal year at a total of $19.7 million for the sheriff's office. I caught up with him earlier this week to learn that news and much more. Take a listen. So what I know, Sheriff, is that uh, we are going to be spending more in Peoria County overall, about $23 million more than we did in the last fiscal year, uh, after the board approved the budget on Thursday night, I'm curious to know uh, how does you feel that the sheriff's office uh, fared in this round of budgeting?
3: So for this is my first budget um, being sheriff, and actually it went pretty smooth. Um, last year's budget was eighteen point nine million, and uh, this year it was nineteen point seven when it was approved. I asked for twenty. So I'm I'm very happy with getting 19.7. It's definitely a workable budget. I'm not laying anybody off. I'm actually hiring um, almost two more deputies. And I'll probably be hiring more during the year because of our police contracts. I'm getting a lot of uh, people coming to us wanting our police services, which is a good thing. Um, A couple years ago, even a year ago, we would probably have to deny a lot of these people, um, Mm. communities and, and businesses. Um, because of our staffing but right now our staffing on the deputy side is looking very good and we're starting to really make some headway in the correction officer side so um this year i'm coming way under budget because mainly because of the personnel because we were down so many officers um hopefully that's not the problem next year um but yeah no i mean th- this was a very smooth budget for me um we've had some rough ones in the past and so I, I look forward to keep working with our county board and um, they're support. They're very supportive right now at the sheriff's office.
0: What's the view right now on the the issue related to the jail facility itself? Can you just get me up to speed on that?
3: It needs a lot of work. It's uh, it's it's an older building. Um, you know, right now we're housing 320 detainees. It's it's uh, yeah, I think it's over 30, almost 40 years old. Mm. So it's it's starting to get the wear and tear. Um, we have two different sections of the jail, a newer section that was built. 20 years ago. And the other one's almost, I guess, 40 years old. Um, The older one is the one that's really starting, you know, we can't find parts for plumbing because it's so old. So I've been working with the County board. I've been very, um, very open with them with what we need to do, what we need to fix. Um, So they're listening. Um, There's a lot, there's a lot going on in Peoria County right now. They're building a new health department. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot going on, so I, I want to make sure that we also get um, what we need fixed out here also, though.
0: Well, I was going to say it seems like listening is about as far as it's going right now, but I do seem to remember I pulled out, um, I'm now recalling what I read earlier, as I was just kind of skimming through the the, the note uh, from the city or the county um, administrator, is that they're going to take a closer look at the jail situation or or I seemed that seemed to be what I was getting from what they were writing there. What what is it? What is the impression you have about the progress on that issue?
3: Yeah, as they're getting ready to hire a consultant slash engineer to kind of do an overview of the sheriff's office and see what we need um, and kind of think a couple steps ahead. You know, do we want to put a a two million dollar roof on the old section of the jail? Then it might not be functional in a few years. So mm-hmm. I think we're we're trying to think a couple steps ahead here. We don't know if if it's better to maybe build on um, and then replace the old section. Um, That's what we're going to rely on the engineers to look at this place and see. We don't want to waste taxpayer money, so we want to make sure we're efficient on what we do um, to
0: move forward. Is there a – I don't necessarily know if it's something you bring an engineer in to to discover, but if there's a feasible, sensible way to – wipe the old facility and build a new one i mean you know you build the new one first then wipe the old one but to do that is that something that seems to be in the cards in your view
3: i'm sure they'll look at that but i think the new section of the jail is not bad we just need to update some hvac um certain things it's the old section that we're really worried about and that's one of those things where this is a big enough property where we could probably build a new wing and then after that, new wings built, tear down the old wings. Mm. Um, instead, of, I highly doubt I will see a brand new jail here <laughs> while I'm sheriff.
0: Okay. Uh, that's a sound bite right there. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to tell us about, I think, that part of it. If you were to just kind of back up and offer any last comments, I wanted to go ahead and give you the floor as it relates to budgeting you said it was kind of a smooth process is there anything else that you think would be good for our listeners to know about as it relates to how you guys fared in this process this time around
3: uh no it's 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 going very well i i just hope in the future years you know i'm, I'm we're always worried a few years ahead what happens but we're in contract negotiations with our deputies uh we're trying to get them um paid well so they don't leave us and go to another higher paid um department so i mean there's it's this is a big um a big family. We have 189 full-time positions, so that's a, that's a lot of employees, a lot of our uh, family staff members that we try to take care of and, and keep them here because it's very costly when somebody leaves and we have to replace them, especially on the, the officer side. It takes eight to nine months to train somebody, so that's a lot of taxpayer money, so sometimes it's better to pay up front and keep these individuals, these officers here, um, which in the long run saves, saves taxpayers money.
0: I guess the uh, um, the last thing I thought of. Sorry, I, there is a specific question I was going to ask about. I just remembered it. It was of the nineteen point seven. Like, what makes up the lion's share of that? Is that payroll and and capital it, maintenance?
3: It, yeah, it's personnel. A lot of personnel. Okay. Um, yeah, one hundred eighty nine people. That's you know that adds up really quick. Um, yeah. We also have you know we have a lot of squad cars. We have seventy squad cars. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a big, it's we're the biggest piece of the pie for Pure County, for sure. Yeah. But we're also, public safety is extremely important.
0: Okay, Sheriff, uh, if you were going to say anything else, please, I'd give you the opportunity to go ahead and share all your thoughts, get those all out, and we can jump off for today.
3: Yeah, no, one thing I did want to point out that's really interesting that was brought to my attention last month was um, our jail food. Um, so, you know, we feed over 300 detainees three meals a day, so that's very costly, but one thing that's really interesting as we were doing the numbers um, from January to June of last year compared to January, June of this year, our food costs went up 48%. So when you talk about you hear about inflation, gas, and food, we really see it here. I mean, 48% increase, which equals out to an extra $100,000. Wow. Um, we're paying extra for food. So, that's crazy. Uh, inflation really, it, it does hit us.
0: Okay. Interesting. Uh thank you for that. Um I could fold that into a piece just uh, just fine. I thank you for taking the time, sir. I appreciate it. Bradley University basketball is nearly here once again. Enough said. I caught up with men's head coach Brian Wardle this week. We have begun preparations for the next season. It'll be long. Um tell us what it is that the team's up to uh kinda as we get into October now. And uh, get closer to the season. What have you guys? Uh, what have you guys kind of transitioned to now?
4: Well, you know, you, you know, start a regular practice, kind of like training camp a little bit, because you got twenty hours a week that you can be in the gym, in the weight room, and film. So, um, you know, you're really bringing the team together. It's all about team, team, team.
0: I, I, yeah, for a coach, I I know that that like all the coaches that I ever dealt with felt the same way. That this is the time where the team is forged, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to me all about all the different ways, all the different important things that happen that forge the team as this process gets underway.
4: Well, you, you, know, you really don't come together as a group until you go through some adversity. True, and true. We try, to, we try to create adversity in the offseason, but it's not like long practice days, exhibition games, games. And so that's what coming together is all about is you, you really come come together through the struggles, not through the positive winning all the time. We yeah. can hide a lot of things as the old saying, it's true. So this is kind of why we try to create some adversity, um, some organized chaos at times to try to get our group together, to get our leadership on board, to get our players talking and holding each other accountable um, and to build that unity off the court Um so that when they leave this building, they are uh, trusting each other and, and united on and off the court and, and it takes a lot of reps. it takes a lot of uh, days to do that and as much as we build off the court things in connections in the off season, there's nothing like when practice starts
0: like this year around here for the next month, you build these individuals into a team. I'm curious to know how many new faces you have to add into a mix of uh, program guys that you already had um, in the fold. Uh, what does that mix look
4: like this time around? Um, I like the mix a lot right now. I think anytime you're recruiting and building a, a team each year in a program, is, you're putting a puzzle together. Every piece of the puzzle is a different shape. And so you try to bring guys in that add value to your team and, and – and, they personally know they have value to the team so that they have an the opportunity to play. And I love the four guys we brought in. So we have nine returning scholarship guys, 11 with our walk-ons, which is critical. I always talk about my walk-ons because I got two, three great ones, but two back mm-hmm. from last year that just help our culture, help our standards, help our energy every day. And when you can bring, I think, nine scholarship, 10, 11 guys back from the year before in today's portal days, it's a huge advantage. And we're really trying to capitalize on that. But we brought four good ones in—high-character kids that fit our culture, fit in our locker room—and I think are going to really help us. And that's you know Cody Duke, Dean, James Popweathers, Gornar Bailey, and and Christian Davis. And those four have kind of fit seamlessly into our locker room already.
0: Uh, Always encouraging for any fan to hear a thing like that because it's the portal guys that could come in and, you know, maybe be a little bit harder to get buy-in from, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe you have more to say about a thing like that. But my next question was going to be, uh, and you led me right into it, is here we are in the, in the age of the portal. How's that going, would you say?
4: Um, it's still, you know, it's, it's changed the dynamic of college coaching. It's different the last couple years, for sure. But, you know, you adapt. And, and, you know, make excuses and you figure out how do I help Bradley, how do I help our program the best with recruiting the portal. And I think we've kind of t- – it takes you a little bit of experience to understand it all, but I think we got a better feel as a staff of what we want to recruit and how we're going to recruit the portal and transfers moving forward. And...
0: All right. Well, I was going to transition a little ball here. Uh, you look at this team. I'm curious to know from your perspective, uh, are they going to be able to hit their free throws?
4: Yeah, well, hopefully. Hopefully, we've uh, we we've, we've always worked hard on that and we'll continue and good. so far so good. We've been doing that. So, hopefully.
0: What is it that you would say um you know, in your review right now that uh uh looking at them before they get go, you know, get cracking on uh, I think probably incorporating some more of your approaches and ideas and becoming more of a team running your system. Uh, what do we got? We got a lot of shooters. We got, uh, you know, how does how does it look? Where where do you think we might be strong, uh, either on on one end of the court or the other at the, at this point?
4: I think our three point shooting should be pretty good. I, I I think I can put four guys on the floor at all times. I can shoot it, which is nice to have the versatility, mm-hmm. um, the length that we have is, is always good. Um, I think we should be hopefully defensively and rebounding at the top like we always are. Um, because that gives us a chance. When our defense can outlast our offense, it gives us a chance in every game. But I, I, I'm hoping the number one thing, we just got to take care of the basketball better than last year. Last uh-huh. year, we did we did a lot of good things offensively, but turnovers was something that really, you know, bit us in the rear end and, and, and the games and, and, and hurt us in a lot of games. So I think we can be, uh, if we can improve in that area, that will be huge for us. But the offensive rebounding, three-point shooting, um, the ability to defend and rebound is, is should be there with this group as it has been
0: I know that and i'll just drill down on the idea about turnovers just just for the sake of it because I love talking ball but it <laughs> is uh is there's a lot that goes into that and there's plenty of chance and bad bounces and things that kind of are baked into your turnovers uh, and to your turnover margin and everything like that there's there's maybe only a limited amount of control but what are the what are the things that you teach the guys that are key in in controlling that situation of of holding on to the ball? Talk to us, talk to me a little bit about those things.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's trust your instincts. So you don't want any if you hesitate, that's probably going to lead to a bad shot or a turnover. Mm-hmm. So trust your instincts, and then make aggressive turnovers, not tentative turnovers. And tentative turnovers are like not trusting your instincts, not um, being hesitant at throwing the ball inside in the post when the guy's got him on his back and sealed. Mm -hmm. You know, you you got to be decisive and make quick decisions. So decision-making plays a huge factor, obviously, in turnovers. And you try to put them in situations in practice where there's decision-making involved and are they making the quick, right decision at the right moment. And I think that's the hardest thing about making jumps up in sports when you go from high school to college or you go JUCO to Division One, Missouri Valley, or you transfer from a low major to our league, the Missouri Valley, is that you've got to make quick decisions, decisive decisions, and decision-making is critical to winning in that league. And so I, I, we try to really just put them in positions, teach them, watch film, and talk about it a lot as we practice now.
0: It, 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 I remember in my experience where it becomes, well <laughs> – depending upon practice, right, is it becomes less decision and more just reaction. Like, this this is this way, so I do this You're kind of a thing is what it ends up uh, kind of turning into. I may be way off base there, but there's my thought mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Coach, thank you for spending the time. That's all the questions I had for you. If you had anything else to add about, you know, hey, man, when are we going to start playing uh, when should we start getting pretty darn real, real, real excited? I think we've got non-conference games starting here before long. Go ahead and give me all the nuts and bolts on that.
4: Yeah, we uh, we have our first exhibition game on November second. We get to play Illinois Wesleyan. It's coming in Arena, and uh, that would be a fun game because we haven't. I don't think Bradley's played Wesleyan in a long time. And after that, November second game, we have a we open up against Wisconsin Parkside, and on a Division two team. That's a really good program on November seventh 9th. So. Uh, you know, it's kind of all kicking off. And then October 15th, Bradley, we have our Red and White Showcase on October 15th. Yeah. And that's just a Saturday night where they can come out and just get a look at the team. Three-point contest, dunk contest, all that fun stuff that we're going to showcase with our women's program. Uh, so nice. it's, it's, ha- it's happening fast. It's unbelievable how quick it came. And, and I know October always flies by, so we'll be at game here soon at Carver.
0: That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois for instant news 24-7. Follow us at 1470 WNBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Cooper Banks, WNBD News.